0: So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not. And then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once.
1: Back to basics, literally and figuratively, no microphones for today because we don't want to spoil you with good sound quality. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you just want your expectations low. So we always seem awesome.
1: Yeah. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tactic. It's a tactic.
2: Oh, boy. So, seems like you have been doing the good hikings. It's good weather right now for hiking, isn't it? Because it's like...
1: Yeah. It's like not... It's not hot. It's pleasant. Even a little chilly. Not right now, but
2: it has been. And... It's, it's really beautiful out. Have you noticed any changes in like how long it takes you to do the same loop or how you feel at the end or? Uh, yes, I keep on trying. (laughs) I'm having, and
1: this, I think this is, this is really something that I don't know if it's a self-sabotage thing that I do, but I keep on insisting on trying to find new hikes to do. Mm -hmm like, well, I've already done that one, you know, um, uh, you know, a couple different times. Uh, I got to find a new one. That's so exciting because you never know what's going to be like. And so I'll spend like 20 minutes trying to find a new hike. And, and it just like, it just takes up a lot of time. And then it's, it's very exhausting trying to find a new hike and then also having like a new hike and new experience. So instead of Wanting to go over it faster, I just want to be all like, "Oh my god!" Like all this new stuff and new stuff to explore. And I'm much more into. I really love the exploring aspect. Mm. That's
2: what excites me. you are in a new place. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Everything is new and exciting yeah. now. So, okay, maybe it's a little bit more energy to do it. But I mean, would you say you don't have the energy to spend on it, or is it just a matter of like? I, I'm putting so much effort into this thing when it could be easier.
1: It's that it's like, I could just, I have this great hiking area that's like six minutes, a six minute drive. I could technically probably just walk to it. Um, mm-hmm. Although then I use up a lot of energy walking on the road and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just right there. And then if I didn't want to do that one, it's like, like an eight minute drive to go do a different one. If I don't want to do that one, it's a 12 minute drive to go do a different one. I know all these spots (laughs) and yet I'm like, what new hiking spot can I find? Let's spend 20 minutes doing that and then drive like 35 minutes to go find a new spot. And it, it is exhausting. It takes up a lot of energy, a lot of time. And
2: yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you see this as a negative. I think because like one of the things that you were frustrated with a few weeks ago was this idea in your head that you just didn't want to put any effort into this, that it was like all too much and too difficult, but like, look at you putting all this effort into finding amazing, interesting hikes to do.
1: I am putting in effort.
2: (laughs) So, So like, that's something to celebrate, not something to potentially be upset about. I mean, that means you're actually making huge amounts of time and space and energy to prioritize this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then I think like shouldn't I spend all that time and space and energy into actually just going on the trail and hiking longer and and then being able to track and be like okay so i did this trail last time it felt exhausting i thought i was gonna die and now i did it again and it wasn't that bad
2: i mean that's an option you you always have that option right but what i want to know is why no matter what positive action you take whatever achievement you achieve you're always like yeah but i still stuck.
1: here's where it's at so i don't look at it as an achievement because my trajectory when it comes to pretty much anything in life has been plan, 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 research, plan, plan, research, plan. Oh, action? Oh, no, 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 we're gonna go back to the the drawing board and we're gonna plan and research and plan. And I feel like this, I feel pretty strongly that this is in the exact vein of that. Because Ah. then I'll look, I'll find the hike and instead of being like, I'm gonna do that hike, I read all the reviews and I look over all the pictures and, you know, it's not like, I'm just going to try that hike. It's
2: no. (laughs) (laughs) I, I guess it's, it's hard because I can see the advantage of both of these things. Right. But if you're, again, this is about finding that balance point, because at this point, from what it sounds like you're saying, The planning and preparing is not stopping you from taking the action it's just meaning that you are taking the action later than you would you know than the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you would be like okay a hike a hike now there's a hike we do it let's go sweet right because like maybe that's not a realistic place for you to get to because that's the other extreme right if you tend to work planning and preparing extreme then actually being able to take action consistently is the win because you're moving along the spectrum. Yes.
1: If I'm moving along the spectrum, the whole, the 1% better, I'm very happy with that.
2: You were like, I'm so happy with that.
1: I'm so happy. I am doing such a great job. (laughs) 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 I'm doing the Kim Kardashian emotional uh, spectrum. I'm so happy today. Wow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But this is part of maintaining the progress is, is actually giving yourself permission to celebrate the wins instead of being like, it wasn't big enough win, you loser, like, why (laughs) are you more? 1% isn't winning. It's just 1% out of a lot more percents that you didn't get. Like, you know, you can, You can beat yourself down with this stuff all the time. Right. And it means that eventually you will spend more time planning and less time acting because that's comfortable. Right. If you keep, when you get out of your comfort zone, if you keep reinforcing that it's not enough, you'll just go back to your comfort zone.
1: Yes. Wait, I lost.
2: So like if every time you do something new or you have a small win, like, okay, well, I did spend 30 minutes planning this hike, but then I did the hike of just planning it. If you pay more attention to the 30 minutes you spent planning than to the fact that you actually went out and did it, then eventually what will happen is, is you just focus on the planning again because getting oh. out of your comfort zone and doing the thing is the thing you're not recognizing, right? That's the thing you've got to pick up on and celebrate because that's what's changed. Yeah. The new yeah. Thing. So if you if you ignore the fact that you accomplished that new thing, then your brain doesn't realize it happened really. And you still tell yourself the same story, which is I only plan and I never do. But, but you did do. You did but, do a bunch of times. But then you're grooving that same pattern back in.
1: Yeah. And it feels kind of like the, <clears throat> the critic inside is very much like, well, if you didn't spend that time planning, you could have done that thing. Plus, you could have also lifted some weights and
2: like other stuff <laughs> i mean there's lots of tools and strategies you could put into place here to try to overcome some of the planning but i'm not sure that that's the right step now because you have made so much progress okay and i understand that at this point you haven't seen a huge amount of results from the shifts that you've made but i think it's down to the fact that you're not recognizing the shifts that you have made and then building on them you're more like i just haven't done enough Therefore, I suck. But that's holding you where you are. Yeah. Rather than being like, I used to be the per- type of person who planned and prepared but never did anything. But now I plan, I prepare, and I actually do it. I do do it.
1: I do. do. And I go on these long hikes, hikes in the woods by myself. Not that I advocate for that. For You know, if you don't feel safe, don't do that. Um. But I carry a big knife, <laughs> and, and I always—I really try to be very aware of my surroundings and try to, you know, to, yeah. But I like go on these these hikes in the woods
2: alone, and People really worried about that at first, Liz. Like when when we talk about where you started when you got to North Carolina you were like i can't go outside there are bugs and it might rain and it is scary and i'm alone oh,
1: yeah oh my god i do remember saying that i was so freaked out and everyone should be properly nervous about ticks and make sure you check yourself after your hikes but i was scared to death of ticks and getting lyme's
2: disease right and look at you now like look at the progress but instead of seeing that you've overcome all of those mental obstacles to actually take physical action has been skipped for you. You know what I mean? You've skipped that and gone straight to the next thing you feel like you need to improve and you're just whacking yourself with the I suck stick as much as you can. Like, just put it down. Put it down.
1: That was a great image. I suck just hitting yourself with a stick.
2: Stop hitting yourself with that stick. It's like really not helping.
1: You're right. I don't don't suck. suck.
2: suck. Or something. Huh? Go get a balloon that says I'm awesome.
1: I'm awesome. Carry, Carry it around on my hike. I'm awesome.
2: And the balloon is special. Yay.
1: Oh my God.
2: Do it. Film it and then we can post it somewhere because that would be awesome. I would
1: I, I can just Photoshop that in and just do the 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 we could do the Instagram thing where you just Photoshop it in and pretend you did things that you didn't do. And we could also put, like, I could put, like, a background of uh, the the Great Wall of China and me hiking along the Great Wall of China and be like, I totally did this, Instagram. <laughs> and then I'll also make my lips, like, super giant, you know, and do Facetune on my face so I have no pores. It'll be awesome.
2: Only Facetune worked in real life to get rid of pores. I was actually, <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was, I was uh, Zooming with another client and I was doing the unfortunate mistake of looking down at my phone, (laughs) like a first thing in the morning, it's just, you know, a lot of self cruelty. And I realized like my neck is starting to do the neck thing that old lady necks do. And I was like, all right, (laughs) well, that's the first time I've seen that maybe it's been there a while, but now I'm aware of it. Like,
1: and so now you're focusing on it I and you're do- hitting yourself with the eye that- suck stick. No, I'm not. Like, do I do
2: something about it or do I think those are like wisdom giblets or what are they? Not giblets. <laughs> wisdom <laughs> <laughs> Like, What is it that they have under their neck? What's it called? Because it's a, isn't it a waddle on, it's, what's this thing?
1: That's a the- um, a, co- um, a cox, coxcomb.
2: That's a right, coxcomb then what's the thing underneath it's not gib- giblets are what you take out of a turkey's butt on like, thanksgiving
0: oh,
2: what's the thing it's not a waddle is it it's my it's wisdom bottle maybe a wisdom <laughs> waddle
0: right
2: now i've had very little sleep this week yeah, i so. want to know so i was like uh oh, you know i could get really mad about this i could do something about it or i could decide it's like a badge of honor. I'm not sure which one I'm going with yet. And it may be none of those three, but I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Hmm,
1: Isn't it fun? And everyone should write in when they have, you know, everyone write into our Facebook group or message us on our group. I don't know what's going on with our Facebook, but just, uh, you know, write in when you've noticed new things on your body and you're like, Huh. Oh, oh! <laughs> that's interesting. You know, feel pretty sure,
2: but it may be something that's inevitable too. I mean, like
1: I found I'm like I can't tell with my hair because it's all these different colors, but I like I swear I do see like these white hairs. They look very silvery, and I'm like, is that or is it just like blonde? Because, and I don't know. And it's always uh it's always a question mark.
2: Mine are pretty starkly gray.
1: Well, because you have dark brown
2: hair. Right. But I feel like I look at it like it's highlights. It's natural shimmer. It's so I don't mind the grays so much. But the 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 dextra neck skin, I feel like my big fat Greek wedding too, where they're like, hold my neck, you know, in pictures where they grab the, <laughs> have you not seen that movie? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't recall, I did see that movie, I don't recall that scene at all. That's the best scene from the entire movie. Every time they get in a picture, oh
1: hold neck. Like, I grab each other. <laughs> as a
2: Greek-American, I, I resonated with that a little too hard. It was a bit of a, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can think... totally see my family doing this.
1: <laughs> I think like, yeah, I think that as women... There's so much focus on our, on our neck and our jowls. Is it jowls that you're
2: thinking the word? I definitely have those. Jowls at the
1: side.
2: It's here.
1: Um, You don't
2: have. (laughs) Okay. It's like, you know, I could have a beard by now. I am Greek. I don't know. It's a thing. I don't have a beard. So that's a win. But I think this is, this comes back to the greater picture I'm talking about is how we attack these situations that are less than ideal or that are not in our heads exactly how we hope them to be, have a yeah. huge impact on how we then deal with them and how we move forward through it. And I think, you know, was I excited to see a bunch of extra neck skin this morning as I'm looking down at my phone at like 7 a.m.? No. <laughs> Everyone sees
1: something but also the truth is that everyone sees something awful when they're staring down at their phone. Oh, yes. First thing in the morning, no matter who you are or what you are, even if you're the most adorable kitten, you're oh, going to look just like a Sharpay.
2: The reality is, though, that like you can't let it stop you from doing stuff. You know, it's like having extra neck skin isn't going to stop me from going and buying pumpkins with my kid today. Or from oh, putting together a yes cleaning anything, making a gingerbread house.
1: <gasps> I wish I was with you guys. I'm so sad. I'm having a conundrum because I remember from our wonderful idea summit, behavioral change summit thing we went to. That great talk. I really wish I could plug this person, but I can't remember her name where she said um, often this Often when you're trying to change something about yourself, the you should do, you can put this into better terms, you know, you, you want to go through this trajectory and go this direction. Like for me, it's always about control. Well, I'm not getting the results I want. So I got to control it more and just be more extreme. And then like GI Jane, the fuck out of this, except for I won't shave my head. But besides that, uh, but usually the thing that actually helps is going
2: like the complete, like opposite of that. Yeah. That neuroscience lady, she was amazing. We can look that back.
1: Lady, I will find her name. I have my name.
2: <coughs> she did those studies on what was it? Oh gosh, that was such a great talk. And it was so eye-opening, wasn't it? On just how hard you'll hold on to the same patterns and just try to groove them harder. Even was- though they don't work. Right, when they're not working in the first place you're like, "Well, I just need more." And she was talking about like really high-powered like CEO type A personalities who are really driven to yeah. accomplish things and their their thing is they're always looking to accomplish more. And actually when we we look at marketing for fitness and nutrition, we call them optimizers, right? They're looking to tweak that last 5% of their brain capacity or their health or their whatever because there's obviously just an edge they can carve out. But the reality is is the thing they probably need to do is slow down to get better is that you know they yeah. need to actually rest and recover because that's what's holding them back from achieving what they want to achieve. And so it's, it's
1: so upsetting for that type of personality because you're just like no 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 push harder, harder, <laughs> make it go harder. <laughs>
2: right. And and that's actually what's creating the the lack of progress in the first place. And I'm not saying that the answer is always do less or slow down. I'm saying that if what you're currently doing isn't working, then more of the same thing probably isn't going to help. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and you see this a lot, most <clears throat> nutrition platforms or programs that are offered. It's like, well, you just need to gain more control of your eating, focus harder on this one aspect Make sure that you're completely controlling everything about your food. But the reality is people are coming and asking for help because their food is out of control. So telling yeah. them what they already know doesn't make them able to do it. They would have just done that. Yeah. So it's, it's different. It's a different approach. It's, a, it's about fixing the underlying thing. It's like, okay, well, maybe food... Is happening the way it's happening because of other factors in your life.
1: We were talking about control and about if I just control more. And I'm but I'm also trying to think of PN coaching and kind of like the 1% better and like small incremental changes and making those into habits. So I've been working on this like 12-week journey board. And and I while I was making it, I'm like, is this a good thing for me? Is this actually like stuff I've learned in PN and from coaching with you, and this is a good thing, or am I just doing the same old thing and calling it like by a new name? Um, So what I have on here is like, kind of like at my 12 week mark, I have like, ideally what I want to be seeing, which is 20 minutes of meditation every single day for my anxiety and stress. Um, and then like 15 miles of hiking a week and two days of weightlifting and one day of like yoga or bar or whatever and uh, then having like the kind of the trajectory of meal I've talked about with you and mm-hmm. breaking that all up so that it starts like I only do like six miles this week and only 20 minutes of like weightlifting two days a week and 20 minutes of yoga and like I mean, there are still calories on there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There are calories
1: on there because I'm like, I, but it's, I can't I think get over the calorie thing.
2: I know. And I think it's finding this balance of control versus adapting to the actual situation that is the hardest part of this, right? Because I'm not ever saying you shouldn't have a plan and you shouldn't have goals and you shouldn't do any of that stuff. You do need to do that stuff. But yeah. you need to be flexible in how you achieve it in the sense of not necessarily like if I don't get to this goal at the end of 12 weeks, I'm a loser and I should quit. It's like, ah, well, I got to 12 weeks and here's what I achieved. And then you look back and you assess what it was rather than deciding that you stuck because you made this beautiful plan and you didn't follow it a hundred percent. Right. So like, let's say you get to the 12 week mark and mm-hmm. you managed to achieve 10 minutes of meditation, four days a week.
1: That would when, went.
2: Right. But when you started, you were doing, you know, five minutes of meditation once a week, right? You've fundamentally moved that needle really far. Maybe it's not this perfect ideal top of the mountain that you had hoped to achieve in 12 weeks, but you've still fundamentally moved the needle. And so now at the end of the 12 weeks, you say, okay, new benchmark series. This is what I'm doing now. What do I want to do next? And how do I move uh. forward again, rather than saying like, I've got 12 weeks to get my shit together. And if I don't do it, I'm loser. and then beating yourself with this, I suck stick again at the end of the 12 weeks, right? Because having a plan and writing out goals is not bad. It's how you use them against yourself or for yourself. And they're very different, if that makes sense. I love that because I'm
1: trying to figure out how to track my progress because I know we've talked about tracking progress and I want to track three aspects, which is nutrition, fitness, and what I'm calling peace. Yeah. Um, I love what you were saying about like, okay, so now I'm, you know, I'm uh, meditating like 10 minutes a day, four days a week, but I guess I'm having trouble cause it's been like willy nilly because of my feelings. I'm like, well, wait, well, how, how often am I working out? you know, and how often am I meditating? And I'm like, I think I kind of know, and I'm sure I could write that down and then see how that develops over time. And then I li- I like that because at the end of 12 weeks, if I'm not like 15 mile hike and strength training this many hours of the day and balls to the walls, make sure I have complete muscle fatigue and all these things, and 20 minutes of meditation every single day, like as long as I'm moving towards... Where I want to go, that's still progress. That's still movement. And once you know, if you get to like the finish line or the perfect place, then where do you where do you go from there anyway? Right.
2: And figuring out what your hard deadlines are versus your soft deadlines is important. And this applies to project management across the board. How do you plan? Right. So because you need to make the plan. Right. Example I'll give is homeschooling. You can sit Mm -hmm. down and write out a perfect curriculum. And then like somebody gets sick or the dog throws up or, you know, you start a book and you realize your kid actually hates that book and shoving them through it isn't the right action. So you have to adapt it or you pick a documentary series and you start it and you're like, I kept falling asleep. I don't even know what it was about. I can't even quiz her about it. You know, like all these things get in the way or she goes super fast through her math, but really slow through something else. And you're like, well, now Mm -hmm. everything's out of whack. Like do you abandon the program and say it sucks or do you adapt it on the fly? And then reassess at a certain period and start again with a new plan. You know, and I'll use also mm-hmm. um, strength training. Right? Strength training is a great one. You know, you hire a personal trainer and you say, Okay, in 12 weeks I'm gonna lose 30 pounds and you're gonna write me the perfect program. And the trainer goes away and they're really excited because this is their favorite thing to do, is go write down exercise programming and give <laughs> you the perfect periodized plan with perfect rest periods and Perfect sets and reps, and everything is perfect. And then you get three weeks in, and somebody has to take an emergency trip for work. Now all of your gains are gone. Obviously, you fail. You should just quit. and have an you have a injury Yeah. It's a trainer's job to take that initial program, adapt it, and continue mm-hmm. the progress for the client. The client doesn't see that part of the process that's going yeah. on all the time.
1: Yeah. So right? be, be malleable, be flexible, be like water, as Bruce Lee said, right? Yeah, totally. Be like water. If there's a dang rock in your way, just go around that there rock. Right. Keep moving forward. Keep moving towards Keep your goal. moving forward. And I guess that's the hard, that's also like the, this um, obsession with planning and going over things because I do love making plans. I do yeah. love that. Like writing it on a piece of paper and be like, "This is perfect." Now, like, if I achieve this, my life is Instagram worthy. Uh,
2: so, but think about how many selfies people take to get one good one.
1: <laughs> Five billion, and then and then after they do the lottery. one good one, they still have to tune that shit. I tried to face tune once and then my face looked like all sorts of fucked up. Like I was in a horror movie and some sort of demon and I loved it. And I sent it to my best friend. Hashtag Facetune. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, oh, what I was going to say is that often I feel like the thing that gets them that I like self-sabotage with is like, I have this plan, which I'm like, this looks like a good plan. I feel happy with this. And then like one week later, I'm like, maybe this isn't the right plan. And then I'll like, maybe I should change it. Maybe I should change it instead of even just like trying the plan. Like, for well, that's, weeks. The diff-
2: that's the difficult part is you have to stick with the plan long enough to see if it really works. So that's where the balancing yeah. act comes in.
0: You can't Does just take my... a
2: plan every week and not following it long
0: enough to see if it works. That's a bad experiment. I was looking at your
2: uh, chart and I think I'm... <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of a hard time about those calories. And I would say rather than eliminating them, I want uh-huh. you to get more specific about what that looks like, because I feel like the danger for you is still justifying a bunch of food choices that aren't going to get you where you want to go because they're within your calories. Uh-huh. So I think if you put some more detail into that, that can work for you.
1: As example,
2: As example. So for an example, like, okay, I want to achieve 1900 calories. Here's what it looks like in food. Like I'm going to eat this for breakfast. I'm going to eat my oatmeal for breakfast. And that's approximately this many calories. This has this many servings of vegetables, this many servings of fat, according to the hand portion chart. Right. And then like And not just make a perfect plan. Don't just make a plan where every single calorie is perfect and you don't have any room for ice cream. Like I did on on week 12. Like you did on week 12 because that's (laughs) never going to be reality. I mean, you may sustain that for a short period of time, but if you Uh try to sustain that for a long period of time, it's going to bite you.
1: I knew I needed to show this to you because when I was like creating it, something felt like wrong. Part of me was like, is this really like
2: really the right thing? This is the great thing about plans is you write them down and they're perfect and you're like, yes, I can do that. It should be no problem. Body I just plan. program it and
1: I hit go, right? right. Like it's yeah. like a coffee automatic, automatic coffee maker. Right, but like, no, <laughs> that never mm-hmm. worked that way. So in regards to the nutrition, that's the part where I really felt like... So um, what would... So when you're, for everyone at home, when you're running out your like nutrition plan like I did and by week 12, I'm like, I just eat my oatmeal for breakfast with coffee and then for lunch, I have my salad and then I have my protein shake when I get hungry and then I have like a small reasonable dinner and being like, yes, I'll be able to stick to that. No problem for the rest of my life. That's what Chris is uh, commenting on. And so
2: what would what what is your advice there for there's a balance to be struck between a certain amount of self-discipline to the mm-hmm. things you need to eat and a certain amount of freedom to keep you from going off the rails like if you look at boot camps when you join up in the army right they're not permanent you don't do yeah. boot camp for the first 5 years you're in the army you do <laughs> Finite period of time, there's an end in sight, and then Uh you have to go into a maintenance mode, right? And so you can approach it that way, and you can say, I'm going to nail this eating for three weeks, and then I'm going to give myself a week of deload, and I'm going to say, Okay, so this week I'm going to not be super rigid and eat exactly the same meals, or I'm going to completely change every meal I eat so I'm not bored. You know, like there are options, and that's what makes it uncomfortable, is because there is no black and white answer. And you also have to take into consideration your friend calling you up and saying, hey, I'm surprised I'm in town. Let's go out for a meal. You don't want to have mm-hmm. to say, sorry, I, I can't. You can come over and eat my oatmeal and my chicken. <laughs> but I'm not going out for a meal with you. you. know. And if you don't plan for these life events, then they become disruptors rather than parts of everyday existence. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: It no, completely makes sense. Um, and I'm super aware of that. So I'm aware, like there's a rigidity here, but I'm just trying to figure out how to put it on a chart. So there is wiggle room and that there, this is like, cause by week 12, I'd like to be in like, well, this is something I can do for the long haul.
2: So you can make some more flexible goals. You can make goals like, um, eight, all of my meals out of my refrigerator, didn't buy any outside food. You can make goals mm. like um, every meal had balanced portions. So I made sure mm. I got a fist of vegetables at every meal, a palm of protein at every meal. And I kept my carbohydrates to a reasonable amount for my exercise output. You know, mm. you make goals around hunger, you can say like, wow, I wasn't hungry. So I didn't eat. That's my goal. I don't eat unless I'm hungry. And, you know, I actually did that one for a long time when I was fixing uh-huh. my relationship with food. Remember, we've talked about this food bag and yeah. was, that I read it a bunch of times and it was really challenging. It challenged a lot of my preconceptions around food and food etiquette and social eating and, and all of these things. And I can remember sitting with my husband while he was eating dinner and I just had a cup of like herbal tea and oh. I was so uncomfortable. It was one of the most oh. uncomfortable feelings not because i was hungry and preventing myself from eating but because i i realized that for me i don't like somebody else to eat alone in front of me
1: oh interesting
2: that's a that's a, that's a, a family value that I didn't know. And so it was a real learning experience to disrupt these beliefs, to disrupt these patterns where I'm actually physically not hungry. This is the rule I'm currently following, which means I'm not going to eat anything right here, right now, but I'm going to sit with you at this table and watch you eat because you don't want to be here by yourself. And I completely agree with that, but I don't have to be eating to be here with you, but it doesn't feel quite the same, you know? And it was sort of like, these are experiments you want to run because it makes you question how you build your plan. Yeah. Which is wow. what you're doing, right? You're questioning how you're building this plan. You made this plan. You looked at it and you thought, gee, this feels a lot like an old pattern. I don't want to repeat. I need mm-hmm. somebody else to look at this and tell me what I don't see, which is exactly how you make progress. This is exactly the process. This is why you have a coach. This is why you hire someone. <laughs> and so they yeah. say, oh, I don't see what you see. Please tell me what you see so I can see it yeah do something about it so since I think that this
1: is is probably a lot of like we talked about like pitfalls and falling in the same hole over and over and over uh if somewhere someone were to ask me like where do you feel like because I I'm trying not to go into like I just need to attack and overhaul like my whole day of eating and obviously I'm just a fuck up. I need to like redo it all. No, I'm like, where are the, the holes that I'm falling into that I really feel like are, are not allowed are not leading me uh, down the path I really want and getting me the results I want. And I feel like for me, it's definitely nighttime and the weekend, which I think most people feel the same way.
2: Then you go out and you get like a plan from somebody and it's so far away from what you're doing. It feels impossible. Yeah. You know, maybe it's uncomfortable to struggle through this process and it's annoying because you want somebody to just give you the answer. But the real answer is struggling through this process for yourself and figuring out what really does work for you.
1: Yeah. So like a habit that I could like look to altering or changing if if I'm like a nighttime more of a nighttime comfort eater. It's like, well, I got through my day. So right. the, the whole looking looking at food as kind of like your reward. Like, good job for getting through your life today. You deserve to go relax and enjoy your food and now that you're done with your work. Right. What would be what would you what do you think would be a good step towards combating that? Like if I were to put this into my uh into my little spreadsheet
2: thing well and different things work for different people so some options include cold turkey just deciding like you did for a while I don't eat after this period of time and white knuckling your way through until the pattern goes away because sometimes that can work I'm not saying it never works I'm not saying it always works it depends on you if you have tried doing things like distracting yourself with gum or taking a walk instead if you've tried a lot of other things and you find you're always slipping back into the pattern And you can't fundamentally not go to bed at night, you know, because a lot of other options include disrupting that pattern in that environment. You know, when smokers quit smoking, a lot of the times it means they can't go to the same place they would go if they were going to smoke. Yeah. Don't go to the bar. Don't, if you work for example in a restaurant, don't go out the back patio and stand with your friends, you know, that's where you smoke. So if you can't do that because the thing you are doing is a thing that you have to do to survive, like eat or sleep, Then you've got to find another method, and maybe it does involve some discomfort for a while of just white-knuckling your way through until it's okay. Sometimes it can be solved with like, well, I save up some of my calories so that I can eat at night, and then I don't have to worry about it, but I just make sure that what I eat is healthy in the sense of a vegetable or some protein.
1: I feel like I guess I probably have moved along the spectrum towards the where I want to be. I can't get over like I mean I know this is the work. It's like for me, it's just like it's just the calories. I just need to like always like be lower calorie, consistently lower calorie, and because that's that's literally the only thing that has had very obvious, not necessarily helpful results in the past. The only thing that's ever you know worked for me and I know that's really problematic to say
2: it's not you know, the, it's been, at the end of the day it's the laws of thermodynamics again you know like calories in calories out yeah. really is the quintessential but health wise
1: like if I eat one McDonald's meal a day that's 1200 calories and it's all I eat all day every
2: single day But this is the point of what I'm saying, like, is it 1200 calories, you can't be sure of that. And you can't be sure you're getting all 1200 of those calories out of it. Or you may be getting 1500 calories out of what's considered a 1200 calorie meal. And this is the problem with calorie counting. It's not that calories in calories out don't matter. It's that Mm -hmm. it's so inaccurate, it's nearly impossible to get it right.
1: That's true. 1,200 calories as far as, you know, obviously I could measure, you know, not like I, I didn't even use a food scale. I used measuring cups and 1,200 calories for a year and, you know, lost a hundred pounds doing that. Right. Um, so to me in my head, I'm like, remember how great that was. Remember how you felt? I mean, I felt like shit, but, and I always felt deprived and unhappy, but remember how everyone was like, wow, you're such a winner
2: such a winner. How can I learn from you? Right. And I think this is the danger. You know, you look at people who are doing extreme fitness, like physique competitions and things, and they're, you know, it's a club of starvation and they lift each other up and they, they really do talk about it as if it's the best thing ever. And you just need a certain amount of discipline. And there is an element of discipline in this. I'm not saying that you can just like swan around and eat whatever you want as long as it's vegetables and everything will be wonderful you do have to pay attention to these things but it's again in how you do it and how extreme you are about it yes you need to control your calorie intake yes you need to control your portions you do or you won't lose weight and that's why i'm asking you about like you know oftentimes again you know, you need somebody else looking at what's going on for you to see what's actually happening. And instead of looking at calories, because calories for a long time for you have been a mental scapegoat for, you know, (laughs) any other behavior that you wish to address, which is why if you add in something like portion control, how much of each thing am I getting? it's going to constrain you in the right ways. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you, if you go through and you div- divvy up your calorie, whatever calories you've allotted yourself on this 12 week plan, if you divvy them up into portion sizes, like if you figure out that, you know, a cup of broccoli is 10 calories, right. And then you've got your chicken, which is probably a four ounce portion is a oh cash. Why am I blanking 120, on 150, Yeah, I was going to say it's like one, 110, 120 if you don't put any yeah. sauce on it. And then you add, you know, a cupped handful of carbohydrates at 150 to 200 calories and a thumb of fat at 80 calories, right? You're looking at probably three to 400 calories a meal. Yeah. So then how many meals do you get? And then you can plan it out that way, right? This is literally how we go through in the days of, of you know, epic meal planning. This is how we did it we calorie counted our way through it. And it does work. If you're going to control your macros, for example, to try to lose body fat, this is what we do. And we make you weigh and measure it because then we're at least within a ballpark of specific calories per nutrient type. And we can kind of keep it under control. It's still inaccurate, but it gives you a much better picture of what's a reasonable amount of food to eat. What does 1800 calories of good food look like? Am I satisfied with that? Is that really the issue? Is it really a calorie issue or is it a comfort food issue? Yeah, that's the question.
1: And right now, like while you were talking about that and macros and this and that, like I found myself, I guess I found myself really getting triggered and -hmm. feeling incredibly constrained all of a sudden and being like, I just want to go out and eat cake and right. i'm gonna go eat cake because this sucks and this is no way to live your fucking life
2: and it i want to like is- make tea cakes and go have a tea party <laughs> right but you can fit that in you know like if the, it's the if it fits your macros mentality of things but the, problem <laughs> yeah. people the, the shit out of that and just decided yeah. that cake always fit their macros and now and you're protein with- cake bra, it's nothing but protein powder <laughs> and a mug Right. And I mean, okay, fine. Like I literally saw that at Trader Joe's the other day is protein cake and a mug. But that's what you're looking at. And that's what you're coming up against. Because every time we actually discuss what healthful eating looks like portion control-wise, you feel that trigger happen because you feel like you can't be satisfied or happy doing that. Because I wasn't in the past. I was so miserable. But But I think this is the this is the game. This is the real change you're looking for. Is how do I make these healthful meals? that are satisfying to me and that do fit within the scope of the calories I need to achieve for the day. That's the challenge. And it's doable. I mean, come on, how many different meals have we made where you're like, this is really good. And I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that. And I feel satisfied.
1: I mean, it's actually, yeah, it's like not that hard, but I feel like this, the trigger comes up. Like I'm never going to be able to like have like a fun I'm not going to be able to make a fun lavender lemon cake and be able to really enjoy that. Like, you know, like making that space for for stuff you really do enjoy. It feels like,
2: like how do you balance that? That's old Liz talking. That's fear talking. That's your fear of loss of control talking. That's not reality. And that's one of those feelings you need to ignore. This is one of those feelings where you can have that feeling But you get on with making these meals and just assessing how you feel right now. Keep asking yourself at each meal, you know, do I feel satisfied? Do I feel like I need something else to to be done here? Am I craving cake because I can't have it? Or am I craving cake because actually I really want cake? I mean, like I had, Layla's had all week that we went to Trader Joe's. We bought all the pumpkin things because we were in New England. Oh, yeah. Yeah. pumpkin things yay and so we had pumpkin ravioli with pumpkin sauce and then we got pumpkin bagels with pumpkin cream cheese spread and it was just like you know we went through all these different things and then it was today I was just like I just didn't want the omelet I normally make I normally just make a little omelet with veggies and whatever I've got Mm -hmm. in the fridge and I eat that and I was like I just can't I can't face it I don't want that and I made Layla her bagel her pumpkin bagel with pumpkin cream cheese this morning and I looked at that and I was like I really want some of this pumpkin cream cheese, but there's a, there's only one bagel and I don't want a bagel anyway. What do I do? And I don't want my omelet. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a slice of toast and put pumpkin cream cheese on this toast. Oh, that's, and that's good. But it's like, like fitting these things in when they're really necessary. Like I could have fought mm-hmm. that craving some more. And I might've ended up in the fridge at the end of the day with a spoon eating cream cheese in an unsatisfying way off of a spoon like some kind of fiend, but I was like, no, <laughs> I cream cheese right now. I'm going to put
0: it you on. Feel my like joke. a
1: thief, like it's right? a thief.
2: Like when you're like a peanut butter thief and you're just eating yeah. like peanut butter off a spoon. Like this isn't <laughs> like count; it's off a spoon. Well, exactly. And so it's like, okay, I could I could allow that behavior pattern to pop up, or I could just have the stupid cream cheese on a piece of toast and move on. Yeah, so I, did. I had the piece of cream cheese on toast, and I also know that I'm making a giant pot of chicken soup with a bunch of vegetables for dinner.
0: So mm, I know that
2: Voice is good too so it, it's this this is the culmination of all of these habits coming together mm-hmm. that allow you to not be fearful of pumpkin cream cheese on toast you know what I'm saying because <laughs> you're fearful of lemon cake with lavender right now because you feel like yeah. it's a roller coaster ride of doom
1: when actually it feels yeah like I couldn't possibly enjoy myself and get to where I want to go
2: you can. I mean you can't enjoy yourself as much as you are now.
1: <laughs> That's the reality. Yeah, yeah.
2: enjoyment that has to happen in order for this progress to happen. And
1: I also find it's—I think it's funny—and I think that I'm going to be doing some reassessing and redoing my spreadsheet, of course, because I'm like looking at this and I'm like, why? Why do I have to? Because this is very not PN, very un-pn is like let's tackle everything at once. <laughs> and move everything over one percent instead of like one or two things or something. So I'm like, well, wait. If I keep kind of doing what I'm doing, food wise, you know, and keep trying to like do better, but like not be obsessive, like here's the plan. But then I'm upping my exercise. That should be work, and also probably the meditation, which will be helping lower my anxiety. That should already be so good that I don't even like after I really get a hold on my the consistency of my exercise and my meditation then I can start focusing on moving dialing up the nutrition stuff and actually just focusing because I'm like if you're burning more calories I mean I guess you
2: could say there's a mm-hmm. there's a, the risk of you eating more right and that's the there does need to be, I think, this idea that you can only work on one thing at a time is dangerous. You can work on as many things as you want at a time. You can overhaul your whole life and start a new thing tomorrow, but you have to set your expectations accordingly of like, okay, I probably won't maintain this level forever, but like maybe I'll learn some new stuff along the way and I can keep that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's this gas pedal, brake pedal thing. I mean, it's perfectly fine to make a comprehensive plan of like, this is what I want my day to look like. And then just every day striving to do as many of those things as you can without actually beating yourself with the I suck stick because it wasn't perfect.
1: Okay, so do you think it's okay to like do what I'm doing with like focusing on all three and then just kind of adjusting the nutrition so it's not stark black and white and I have wiggle room?
2: Well, I mean, there's two answers I can give there. I can give you the (laughs) coach. which is, well, Liz, what do you think you should do?
1: Oh geez. I don't fucking know. You
2: really upset you in this case, right? (laughs) So I'm going to give you the like, I think that for you, given how you tend to respond to these things in the past, it's a good idea to have a comprehensive plan and learn to be less rigid about it for yourself. Okay. I think that's possibly the most helpful thing for you now. And if it isn't, we'll try it and we'll say, no, that didn't work. And then we'll adjust it again. There's no, again, there's no people hanging over a shark pit that are going to die at the end of 12 weeks because you didn't get this perfect. You know, it's like, yeah, you do not actively have a health problem. You Do not actively have things that are are forcing anxiety. Okay. (laughs) I mean, but that's not necessarily something that you can get rid of by changing your diet.
1: Yeah, it won't, it won't, it
2: won't. That's a lot of other stuff that we're working on. Right. So, you know, and, and again, it's like, what other tools can you use to manage your anxiety? Do you need to talk to somebody about it? Do you need a different medication? Do you need when therapy
1: is free? I will talk to somebody (laughs) about it.
2: Right. And I think this is the thing, you know, it's like, it's, it's figuring out the tools you need to be using right now. And if the chart is yeah. going to help you, then use it. Okay. Use it a way that's helpful to you, not in a way where you're just going to beat yourself up with it.
1: Like, this is my leash and I'm going to get jerked back. Well, I'm going to do some reassessing. That was real
0: helpful. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors. And let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful.
1: They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's like you take away from them. The more you know.